You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Forfeit the game before somebody else takes you out of the frame. Put your name to shame, cover up your face. You can't run the race, the pace is too fast, you just won't last. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. And of course, today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. David, you sent out the call on Twitter, and our listeners have responded. We have voicemails galore to go ahead and get through because, you know, the people, they have questions. We have answers, or at least we try to have answers. David, James, is Greco, Geraldini did it. He 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 said big middle finger to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Geraldini signs with the Carolina Kitty Cats of all teams. He did it. Yep. They sweet-talked him, gave him a little rosé, and they hooked him. Well, looks like we're going to be seeing a bunch of open holes for uh, Ronald Jones to run through. You know, guess this might work out. You never know. Anyway, guys, tell me what you think, and um, go Bucks. Rico! We've missed you, buddy. Um, okay, yeah, we <clears throat> we talked about this with Carmen Vitale a little bit, and... I I disagree with her a little. Now, she could be a thousand percent right, but but my perception is I'm going to I'm going to disagree a little bit. First off, we had heard the early reports, you know, that there were 10 teams interested and Jerry McCoy was going to get around 11 million dollars and yada yada. And that was all crap. Every last bit of it. It was it was all pushed by his agent to try to drum up a market that really wasn't there. So you had Gerald McCoy reportedly, this was from, I think it was both Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter had said that he turned down less guaranteed money from Baltimore to go to Carolina. And it was shortly after the photo was released of Indomitian Sue wearing number 93. Could that have been a coincidence? Absolutely. Do I think it was? No. Jenna Lane said it. Rick Stroud said it. That that was kind of what tipped the scales in the Panthers' favor. And look, he gets his $4 million signing bonus. He gets his, I think, what is it, like $3.75 million in base salary. And then he's got all these bonuses. He can get him up to $10.75 million. Basically, at the end of the day, he's going to make less than Indomitian Sue. Because if you look at... Gerald McCoy's history and the incentives that he would have to reach to get all these bonuses, he's going to come away with the from this with less money than than Indomitian Sue just got. Yeah, at the end of the day, in my opinion, he went to the Panthers strictly because he wanted to stick it to, to Tampa and he wanted to stick it to Bruce Arians. That's that's my opinion. And Carmen said that that's definitely not the case, and and he didn't. You know, he wasn't around Bruce long enough to to take shots at him with with the quote that I had brought up that was tweeted by Justine Anderson. But I firmly, firmly believe that he chose the Panthers 
over the Browns or the Ravens strictly to be able to play against the Bucks twice. And it, it, I don't think anyone can convince me otherwise. If he wanted to sign with a contender out of the three options that he had on the table, he picked the worst one. I will disagree with that. Um, and that's just based off of partial evidence and partial hype. The evidence being the fact that the Baltimore Ravens made it to the playoffs last year. And all you need is to be in the postseason to have a chance of winning the Super Bowl because we've seen some crazy stuff happen before. We've seen the undefeated New England Patriots lose to the New York Giants. We've seen the Pittsburgh Steelers come in as a wild card and uh, beat the Arizona Cardinals. I want to say that's here. They beat the Cardinals. So any team in the postseason has the opportunity, has the chance to win the Super Bowl, which means you're a contender, like it or not. The Cleveland Browns are very much a hype situation but if it's not for basically what's now being blamed on a zane gonzalez injury which i guess led to those misses early in the season the browns were a playoff contender last year and from what i've seen they've only gotten better now they still have to put it all together and i still have questions as to whether or not three personalities as strong as odell beckham's jarvis landry's and baker mayfield can all exist at the same time in the same locker room, especially if they open up, oh, I don't know, 0-3, you can't deny that the roster in black and white, as it stands right now, looks pretty pretty stinking good. The Carolina Panthers, one, if you're even if you I mean, so you don't have to win your division, make the playoffs. I got it. But just looking at postseason opportunities, the Panthers are not close to being better than the Saints. Now you know, an injury here, an injury there, uh, you know, a ball bouncing one way instead of the other. And of course, anything can happen. That's why you play the games. All the cliches got it. You know, you don't have to be Willie Beeman to know that anything can happen. But still, you talk, you're talking about one team who met, went to the playoffs last year. You're talking about another that's about as star studded as it gets. And you're just adding another star to, you know, to that building and giving them an even better chance. The Cleveland Browns were the best opportunity Gerald McCoy had to win this season on a one-year deal from where we stand right now. For him to go there and say he joined the Panthers because of their defense, no, man. The, the Cleveland Browns have a much better defense. The Baltimore Ravens are known more for their defense, and he would be the, he would have the opportunity to be the catalyst to returning that defense to glory. He joined the Carolina Panthers – in part for other reasons. And maybe he does believe that Cam Newton and you know uh, Luke Keekley and all these guys can get the job done. Maybe he actually does. But part of the reason, part of that reason is because he gets to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Make no mistake about it. Um, why he won't admit it, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. I don't care if he admits it ever or not. But that's part of the reason. Richard Sherman went to the San Francisco 49ers in part because he wanted to face the Seahawks twice a year. Um, many players have done it. It's almost expected, and even if you deny it, everybody assumes it's the reason why anyway, so you might as well admit it. But whether it was the whole reason or not, I don't know. It's just when you put the puzzle together, it makes no sense for him to choose the Carolina Panthers over the Browns or the Ravens unless it's in part for, I guess, revenge. I definitely think the Browns have the the best opportunity. I'll agree with you there. No way. Would I choose the Ravens over the Panthers if I'm a free agent? Because, no, I don't believe the Panthers are as good as the Saints. However, 
they were what five and one, six and one until Cam got hurt last year. Like, mm, yeah, they're not slouches. I mean, they are a playoff caliber team without question. Yeah, no, I mean, the, I'm not saying the Panthers are slouch. Like, they're definitely not trash, as somebody called them today that I saw on Twitter. Yeah, don't be wrong, I agree with you. Like when I heard the Ravens were on the option list, or the visit list, I, I kind of went yuck. What? Okay. Yeah. But when you're if you're if you're truly looking at this from a which team gives me a better chance to win now the team who has recently been to the playoffs and is still in a in a in a conference that's not very strong and in a division that theoretically only got weaker overall that you have a better chance there than going to the Carolina Panthers who you know are in a tough division you know every win is going to be hard fought for and you still don't know well i mean maybe he knows now cuz he sat and had meetings with them but I mean, as far as I know, like, I'm not expecting Cam to be probably fully back to 100%, even, you know, probably even this year, um, as bad as he looked, you know, due to the injury last year. So I don't know. I mean, maybe he knows something that nobody else knows. And I would guess that probably 20% of his decision was was inspired by playing the Bucks again. Um, I'll go 45. Okay. And that's fair. Hey, guys, it's Leighton in Tampa. Been a little bit since I left voicemail. Uh, just calling to sort of follow up on the latest news out of the Bucks and free agency slash cut. Um, we all knew that Gerald McCoy thing was coming down, and not that he's a bad player, but it just was the cap. Also, Sue signing, love it um, for different reasons, but we definitely need that fit for our defense. Um, now tonight with McCoy going to the Panthers, had a feeling that might happen. I think it, what may have triggered it was um, him getting or Sue getting 93, which I really don't have a problem with. Um, you know, yes, McCoy did a lot for the franchise, but were we in playoffs continuously as he was in 93? I say no. So, you know, Sue had that number. Um, I'd hope they would have spoke about it, but probably didn't happen. Um, but, hey, it's time to move on. Hopefully we'll find out some good news about JPP. Otherwise, we'll have to see how that all shakes out. Anyway, as always, you guys do a great job. Go Buck, and I'll see you guys soon. All right. Well, thank you very much for the phone call, as always. And, look, David, I, I, I started in on it, and I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to take a chair and set it on top of my soapbox and have a seat here for a second because I've I've had it. I don't care that that Gerald McCoy wore number 93 for nine years and it's being given away as soon as he's out the door. I don't. People are talking about in and anyone who's listened to the show for any length of time, if you listen to our podcast before this one, if you're an OG Walking the Plank podcast subscriber, and you followed us over to here, we appreciate you, we love you, but you have known that David and I have been staunch Gerald McCoy defenders, but he is not an all-time great. He is not a Hall of Famer. His number will never be retired in Tampa Bay. I don't care that they gave it away it's not a big deal it's really not Gerald McCoy was a very good player for a long time he is not a great 
Never once was there a moment where you're like, that guy is an all-timer for this franchise. And I see people bringing out their stupid little analytics talking about how Gerald McCoy is a more valuable player in this franchise's history than Simeon Rice. Are you out of your mind? Never once did Gerald McCoy do for this team what Simeon Rice did year in and year out. And the fact that Simeon Rice has not already been placed in the Pro Football Hall of Fame is a travesty. But to treat Gerald McCoy like he needs to have his statue outside of Raymond James is asinine. It is a freaking number. Everyone flipped out talking about giving away Allstott's number. And Allstott was an all-timer for this team. Without Allstott, they don't win a Super Bowl. Gerald McCoy couldn't get into the postseason. And that's not all on him. Again, I like Gerald McCoy. But what did he ever do to elevate anyone around him? He was a good player. Sometimes very good. Occasionally top-notch. For the most part, he was just good. And the the overreaction and the freaking out about, you know, how dare they give Indomitian Sue Gerald McCoy's number? Who cares? You know, when it comes to numbers that shouldn't be touched, it's the ones that are already retired. 63, 55, 99, 47 should never be touched again. 20 should never be touched again. Other than that, it's fair game. Those are the guys that are that are enshrined. Those are the guys whose numbers should never be touched. And I'd even list Simeon Rice. You know, I, I would have left Hardy Nickerson's number alone before I would have left McCoy's alone. I get it. He was a bright spot on a crappy team for the last 10 years. But he's he's not worth all this fuss and all this mourning over. Move on. It's over. He's gone. He can sign his little one-day contract and retire a buck if he wants to. He'll probably be in the ring of honor one day. Great. Yeah, so James and I definitely were Gerald McCoy defenders all the way to the end. And even in saying that it was time for him and the Buccaneers to divorce, it wasn't so much an indictment of McCoy as it was just kind of an indictment of of the entire situation and what had happened uh, to McCoy almost as much as with McCoy. As far as his number is concerned, um, I don't honestly care about anybody's jersey number. And Carmen kind of said it on the show. Maybe I'm in the same boat. Maybe it's because I've never played at the highest level of athletics, um, so on and so forth. That's completely possible. But a jersey number is a jersey number. Now, that doesn't mean I don't think certain jerseys should be retired. However, the retiring of numbers needs to be something that is – held in the highest regard it needs you need to be a generational player for that to happen or have success that is probably never going to be matched again or been has been you know produced by at least your franchise and, and you look at Gerald McCoy and, and don't get me wrong Gerald McCoy has been a very good player he's made several pro bowls and and you know kudos to him but he's not a generational player all right he hasn't changed the game of football and that's not an insult because 
most players don't change the game of football. That's why the players who do change the game of football are so unique. And even some of those players will probably never have their jerseys retired. Like, I don't know if Randall Cunningham's jersey is retired by the Philadelphia Eagles or not, but is Michael Vick's jersey ever going to be retired by the Atlanta Falcons? I don't know if that's going to happen. Listen, the man is an active player. He's not retired. He didn't retire a Buccaneer. He says he's going to. Perhaps the Buccaneers will allow that to happen because, again, it takes two to tango. But remember the wording of the press release. The Buccaneers and Gerald McCoy have agreed to part ways. That's not the Buccaneers covering up their intentions. That's not the Buccaneers saying nicely that we're cutting you. That's both sides having some sort of agreement in place for whatever reason. Okay, and I've I've said it on this show. I believe the reason is that Gerald McCoy is the one who started the motion of him leaving Tampa this offseason, and he didn't want that to come out. And the team didn't really want to out him for it. So I think at some point in time, the team has said, look, we don't want to out you for it. We don't want to villainize you for this because we kind of agree that you don't fit in our system. You should probably go somewhere else. So we don't want to turn you into the bad guy. We don't want to try to look like we're turning you into the bad guy. So let's come and meet in the middle ground. And Gerald said, you know what? I don't want to look like the bad guy either. So let's just say we agreed to part ways. And that's as simple as that could have happened. These things don't happen just because one side says, okay, we're just going to say we agreed to part ways. Because that, if the Buccaneers said that on their own, Gerald McCoy could very easily come out and say, nope, they just cut me. I didn't agree to leave. They just said goodbye. And now the Buccaneers look like idiots. So, of course, there was an agreement in place. Of course, both sides agreed to the way that press release was sent out. Of course, they both agreed to the way that went down. So that's all PR stuff. That's all social media wars and everything else, which is where all this stuff is living. So if somebody wore number 99, I'd be okay with it. Would I respect the hell out of that young man if they asked Warren Sapp for permission and Warren Sapp gave it to him? Yes, of course I would. And I would even cheer for him to do so. I'm the one who asked Devin White if he would ask Mike Allstott to wear number 40. Because I think it would be a great sign of reverence from Devin White joining a franchise to one of this franchise's great players to do so. And he said that he wanted to ask him and they got drafted and they didn't ask him for whatever reason. I don't know what that reason is. I don't personally care. As long as Devin White is happy enough wearing number 45 to go out there and do his job, then I'm happy for him. And I'm happy that people still love Mike Allstott because I love Mike Allstott. But if Mike Allstott said that, yes, Devin White, you can wear number 40, or if the franchise said, no, Devin, you don't need to ask Mike, here's the jersey, okay. Like, it's fine. It's it's okay. The only entity that has the opportunity and ability to retire a number are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not me, not a fan, not a player. The Buccaneers. Until they do so, that number, as far as I'm concerned, is up for grabs because if it's not up for grabs, it would be retired. Now, it may be unofficially retired behind the scenes, closed doors and all that. And again, that's fine, too. But from where I'm sitting, speaking to you, until it's officially retired, it's up for grabs as far as I'm concerned. If we want to get into the list later on in the offseason of which players should have their jerseys retired, according to me, then we can do that. But again, at the end of the day, unless the Glazers are subscribers to the Lot on Bucks podcast, which they may or may not be, our opinion on who should and shouldn't have their numbers retired isn't going isn't really going to help a whole lot. All right, a well, lot of words. <laughs> Before we move on to our final caller, of course, today's show is brought to you in part by Grip Six Ultra Lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it's a great Father's Day gift. Just go to grip6.com forward slash lock. That's L O C K E 
for a special offer from Grip6. Hey, James and David, it's Chef Baron. You know, it's been about a week since the suit signing, and uh, it's been a pretty revealing time, I would say. And speaking of time, the Tampa Bay time, you know, it's been very revealing to see exactly how solely focused on a certain player that they uh, want to write about and compare as to all the blame they want to put towards other players that have come into contact with this certain player that we all know who this player is. He goes by the name of Gerald McCoy. And uh, a lot of these reporters from the Tampa Bay Times want to blame all the other players due to Gerald's lack of success, which I find other crap and nothing but a complete skid-filled job. Because those players have actually gone on and done other things with other teams in the NFL. Uh, Clinton McDonald, apparently he was irrelevant to some of these reporters. Robert Ayers, he did absolutely nothing. Uh, I don't know, they were on the 2016 defense that had a one hell of a resurgent year, so they must have done something right. You know, it's it's become very revealing when it comes to the Tampa Bay Times, and uh, they're 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 pretty much their bias when it comes to one individual player. And uh, I used to have respect for this one individual, but not anymore because unless you agree on his uh, numbers and his analysis and all that stuff, he's just gonna insult your intelligence and he's just going to block you and be a coward about it. So, you know what, Bass, if you want to be like that, then you know what? I'm so glad you blocked me because I was going to block your ass a while back. All right. Well, Chef, uh, Chef's a little unhappy. Um, look, I, I have my issues with the way that um, other outlets tend to approach things. At the end of the day, and I'm going to try to be as as – unbiased as I possibly can here. These media members that are in the facility every day, they're in the locker room every day, they're at every practice, they're at all the training camp, you know, workouts, everything. They're going to develop relationships with these players. You know, and and a lot of these relationships are going to reach beyond a professional relationship. They're going to develop a personal relationship, you know, a, a, a friendship of sorts. So I understand when a player that members of the media have grown close to is shown the door that they might not take it all that well. That being said, what really infuriated me, apparently I'm just going to be angry this episode, David. What really infuriated me was how blatant some of these outlets were with their continued gushing over Gerald McCoy while simultaneously publishing those, for lack of a better term, hit pieces on Indomitian Sue. Like, we've gotten rid of of the angel, and here comes the devil. Like, that was the the perception of, of some outlets, and it was more than one. And it just showed that there there wasn't um, there was a very poor approach from the media about the entire situation. And again, it wasn't just one outlet, and it wasn't just one writer. I saw it a lot. As far as uh, 
as far as your BFF over there that blocked you, Chef, um, look, I've I've said my piece. You know, analytics are all well and good when you use them appropriately, just like the the pro football focus. Everyone knows my feelings on pro football focus. The stats and the grades and all that stuff, it, it's used as a tool. But when it's the only thing that you look at and the only thing that you ever reference, you're doing it wrong. You can use it as part of the whole picture. But when you use it solely as the whole picture, it doesn't hold as much weight. And when you want to argue with people to do that, they get mad because it ruins their narrative. It's it's not worth your time. Yeah, analytics has their place in, in sports, and, and there's some validity to analytics when used properly. But it's not a definitive way to measure any any sport and any uh, – well, I wouldn't say any, I guess, because I don't know them all. But um, I would imagine that there's not a single coaching staff in all the professional sports that solely relies on analytics to do anything. Who, who was it? Which NFL team was it that hired an analytics expert to help build their roster? Do you remember? No, I don't know. Oh, it was the Browns who went 0-16. Oh, uh, yeah. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, in that alone, again, nothing is definitive. And that example alone isn't necessarily a, a pure indictment of analytics either because there's other stuff that goes hand in hand. But, that, but that's kind of what you're talking about, James, is – Football is not that simple. Football is not that easy. You're never going to be able to break football down into a mathematical equation and say, Eureka, here's how you do it. Because you look at the most dominant dominant franchise of our time, the New England, New England Patriots, they don't do it the same way every year. In the beginning, they did it with defense. In the middle, they kind of did it with a balance. Now they do it mostly on offense. I mean, that's that's the beauty of football is you have to change. You have to alter what you're doing. You have to keep your opponent on your toes. You can't do that if you're living within rigid mathematical boundaries. It's just not possible. And honestly, if you ask me, you can tell the complexity of a sport by the amount of coaches it takes to build a successful franchise in that sport. And football staffs are some of the deepest and they're some of the most active on game day than any other sport out there, if not the most. I mean, I don't know the makeup of every single sport out there, so I guess I can't really say that definitively either. But I think that's the point, is that nothing is definitive. And when and, and when any person, I mean... You look at today's episode, just alone today's episode, Gerald McCoy going to the Panthers. Was it out of revenge? Was it not out of revenge? It's an opinion, guys, and it's opinion based off of hopefully some smart awareness, some some intelligent uh, analysis, if you want to call it that, of what you're witnessing. But at the end of the day, we all only have the information that we have at our fingertips to work with. What I do know is limited in scope, all right, just like everybody else. So we're all the only person who knows is Gerald McCoy and I assume his wife. Those are the only two people who know exactly why Gerald signed with Carolina, how much of it had to do with revenge, how much of it had to do with competitors, how much of it had to do with money. They're the only two who know. Maybe even the agent doesn't realize it. So it's okay to disagree. And if you listen to the show and you disagree with what I say, you disagree with what James says, that's okay. What's not okay is acting like everybody has to agree with you or they're just worthless. And that's that's never okay. I don't care if it's sports or anything else. That's just never okay to me. Because even James, like James, I don't know how many times, James, that I've heard you say you're done with listening or reading negativity from Bucks fans. Yet I continue to hear you 
say you're done reading it and listening to it. Well, if you're done reading and listening to it, my friend, <laughs> you would no longer hear it or see it. So we get angry. We get frustrated. We all it, it's human nature and it's perfectly fine. But to completely shut somebody down and just say, you know what, you're not worth my time or worth the breath or worth whatever. Um, that's to me, that's just childish. That's ridiculous. And you can disagree with that opinion as well. Uh, as far as media is concerned. Yeah. I mean, journalistic integrity, like you're supposed to be unbiased about everything, but honestly, I'm of the, the mindset that there's no such thing as being unbiased because you're human. You're human. You, you have thoughts, you have beliefs, you have experiences that shape who you are, the way that you think, which is all bias and you can't help it. It's not, it's, there's, it's, it's not a filter you can take off. It's just part of how human beings are developed. So everybody's going to see through that lens. For Tom, the numbers make more sense. They make everything seem more in control. They make everything seem sim- simpler, all that stuff. It doesn't always work. He threw out some numbers a while back about drafting and tried to use it to indict Jason Light and we at Bucks Nation. Um, it was kind of a collective effort. Pointed out that there were several teams who, according to the numbers that he presented, were worse than the Buccaneers, were worse than Jason Light, and then had more success than the Buccaneers. And Similarly, there were teams who were rated higher than the Buccaneers on the same numbers, and it had less experience or less success than the Buccaneers. So, again, there's holes in all those arguments. It's only when you use an argument as a definitive that you really go wrong. I don't read enough of what Tom writes to know if that's what he does. I've had some interactions with Tom. He follows me on Twitter. As of the time that we're recording this, I follow him on Twitter. We've had some interactions. I don't agree with everything he says. I do agree sometimes with some of the numbers that he's presenting. I don't think that any of them are definitive proof of anything. That's, I mean, that's really all I can say about it is at the end of the day, we're all seeing this thing, whether it's Cheryl McCoy, whether it's Jersey numbers, whether it's ring of fame, uh, uh, ring of honor, rather, whether it's hall of fame, whether it's good moves, bad moves, good drafts, bad drafts, good signings, bad signings. We see it through a lens that we have developed through our experiences that's bias. You have bias. You cannot not have bias. It's just, just you can't. You can sit down and try to write. James and I have done it. We've sat down and written. Uh, what was the last one? Like, do the Bucks need a draft a running back? And we both actually agreed. But one of us took the opposition opinion. And I feel I can't remember which one was which, but I read it and I felt like it was written well and it got good interaction from the readers. You guys commented. You guys started dialogue. So apparently it was effective. That doesn't mean that we don't have bias. It just means we delivered a message trying to put that bias to the side to do our job. I don't know. I think I've answered the question. Chef apparently likes to use Locked On Bucks, though, to call out other outlets. Apparently. <laughs> and I think it's hilarious. Um, I have no problem with it whatsoever, Chef. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's just, I guess that's my, that's, just, I mean, I played fantasy football with Tom one year. Who, I don't, who I don't won know. that? I did. Um, uh, but again, that doesn't necessarily mean. None of this stuff really gets me all that angry, I guess. So it just it's it's kind of easy for me to put that in check. Um, but yeah, but I agree with what you're saying, James. And we've said it on the show specifically about the Indominus Sioux situation. And we've kind of, I don't want to say made it our mission, but we've kind of taken up arms on a couple of occasions and written some things and said some things on the show to show that Indominus Sioux is not just horse collars, quarterback roughings, stepping on limbs and anger, that there is another side of him. And I think that we did a fairly good job of it. Um, Again, there are some people who just are never going to like Ndamukong Su, um, no matter what he does. But those aren't the people we're targeting. We're targeting the people who are open-minded and want to learn and want to understand and want to read. And even if we don't change your mind, at least get to the position where you say, okay, I understand why you think Ndamukong Su is not a monster. 
I just still think he is. Okay, cool. That's all I'm asking. All I'm asking, all I can ask, all we can ask is that you listen to what we say, you understand what we say, and you come back with a well-thought-out response if you disagree or if you agree. That's all we can ask. And and that's I think we show that in our interactions. If I'm on Twitter, I'll respond and converse with anybody on Twitter if they have an opinion, even if it's diverse, even if it's different from what I say. Um, I'm probably always going to agree with me. I'm just going to put that out. But if you just write to me and say, you're stupid and I can't believe you get paid for this, that's going to be the end of our conversation. I'm, I'm not going to block you. I don't, I don't really block people. I'm probably not even going to mute you. I'm just not going to respond to you. But that's just because you're being disrespectful as a human being. Yeah, well, and, and the last thing that I'll say about it is, is similar to the last time Chef called in to, to call out another outlet was I'm not going to... I'm not going to diminish or discount the work that that Tom does. I'm not here to do that. The guy puts in work and and I can appreciate that. Do I agree with it? More often than not, no. Do I agree with his personal approach to people who disagree with him? Again, more often than not, no. But I'm not going to sit there and and say that that he's worthless or, or what he's doing is worthless. I just feel personally that the angle that he takes is just a small part of a large picture. Whereas when I've, when I've watched him interact with people or I've the occasionally when I've read his stuff, it seems to be the only picture he wants to look at. And that's always what's kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but I'm not going to sit here and say that he doesn't, work hard or doesn't do good work. I just think that there's a lot more that goes into it than he personally believes. All right. Well, David, before we get out of here, as promised, it's time to check in with our iTunes reviews. This one comes in from Bucks Capacitor. This is a three-star review. I like the name. We got ding- I like the name too, but we got dinged a little bit here, David. The title is Good Content. Bucks Capacitor says the content is level-headed and they don't let emotions take over logical thinking. Uh, this is I, the wrong episode to read this review. <laughs> I was just going to say, I might have, have nixed that a little bit. They have a lot of knowledge about the Bucks and the rest of the league as well. Unfortunately, the entertainment factor is low. So I don't know. Maybe my emotions made up for the entertainment factor. I'm not sure. They are monotone and super serious. That's fine because the content itself is good enough. They lose another star because the amount of ads for a 30-ish minute podcast is way too much. That's less their fault than it is the Locked On Network, who across all of their podcasts overdo it with ads that are super annoying and at different levels of volume. Get that thumb ready to skip ahead because the ads interrupt without warning. So, Bucks Capacitor, appreciate the review. Uh, I, I wish we had done better for you. Hopefully, the more you've listened, the more we've entertained. And look, I know the ads can be, you, you can be getting into a nice flow and, and an ad pops up. But hey, buddy, you know, we got we to gotta keep the lights on. Yeah, um, as far as the seriousness factor of it, I mean... Uh, we're serious about it. We put in 30 hours a week or so doing this and we have full-time jobs on the side. So this is something that we take very seriously. So yes, we, uh, we are serious about it. Um, as far as the entertainment factors concerned, I'm not really sure what that's speaking to specifically. If, if you're talking about like sound effects and stuff, like that's probably just not going to happen because the process of editing 
uh, a 30 minute episode would astound you. I, I imagine. I will okay. say if that's what he's looking for, he or she, not sure bucks capacitor. If yeah. that's what they are looking Stop. for, I highly, highly recommend you go back and listen to episode number 316. Yeah. The stone cold one. Yeah. I mean, for certain episodes, yes, I will kind of go out of my way to do, do stuff like that. But that was the thing to remember episode ever. Yeah. <laughs> the thing to remember about that episode too, though, is I was off. I was on vacation from my day job. Um, believe me, if I could do this for my, uh, as a full-time job, I mean, there probably would be a little bit more production value, but I think our production value is pretty decent as it is. So here's where I was going with that. If it's like episode ideas, like, I don't know, like if you have, and that's why I kind of want to respond to you. Like, so if this person, any person, if you have like a show idea, like an episode idea that you want to, like, if you want to do like, I don't know, the top five Buccaneers quarterbacks in history or something, shoot it to us, shoot us to us in Twitter on Twitter uh, to either one of us or to the Twitter, to the locked on bucks, Twitter account. Uh, DM the Locked On Bucks Twitter account if you want that the DMs are open. If you have a show idea, um, I mean James, you and I have talked, especially during the off season, like the next coming months. There's not going to be a whole lot of news coming out, hopefully, because any news co- comes out during June, July is usually not good news. I mean, if you guys want us to do like, a, I'm not on Reddit, but they do the what is it, Ask Me Anything, the yeah. AMA, right? Like if you guys want us to do one of those, you know, what I mean, we can do some of those during the next couple couple months. I mean, if that's what you're talking about as far as entertainment value is concerned. Shoot us ideas. Um, I'm not going to make funny voices because I'm not very good at it. Yeah. Like we're not, I can't draw, so we're not going to be a cartoon. Um, <laughs> I know those guys do. I can't remember what their name is, but oh, shooter in the stash. Yeah. Yeah. They have some great, great content with their cartoon. Like those are great. Don't get me wrong. I agree completely, but we, that's not, that's not us. That's not our thing. You know what I mean? Um, but if it's like show ideas and stuff, like if you want more lists or like top fives or ask me anything, by all means, uh, shoot us ideas. We'll, we'll definitely entertain them. And then the ads, yeah, that's a necessary evil. Um, again, we can't quit our day jobs and do this with the amount of ads that we have. So imagine the amount of ads we would have to have to quit our day jobs and do this full time. That would be insanity. Um, so it's kind of a necessary evil. This is what keeps us from asking you to give us money. And some shows decide to go that way where they have there's programs, there's websites out there where you basically donate money and that helps kind of keep them alive and they don't have to sell ad space. Uh, I don't have an opinion one way or the other on which one is the correct model. I just know that the locked on network goes with the ad model. And so we follow it because we don't have a choice anyway. I mean, not for nothing, but some of these ads with the promo codes, I mean, I've used, I've used our promo code to get Tampa Bay lightning tickets. I got a grip sticks belt. (laughs) I, I have the Himalaya podcast app. You know, I, I've used some of these, these promo codes and you know, it's, it's quality stuff, man. So yeah, yeah. Some of it's legit. Definitely. Um, if you haven't used them, I definitely recommend you give them a try if it's kind of like up your alley or whatever, but I know like we get paid to say that kind of stuff too, but we're not getting paid to say this part, but yeah, it's a necessary evil. I mean, it's just, it just is what it is. The, I mean, the, the peer report guys do it. Um, they sell ad space. I don't know about the Joe bucks podcasts. I'm pretty sure they sell ads. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? So it's just, it's just part of the business. And Something that I do try to do editing these these episodes is put the ads in similar spots on the show so that I'm just going to leave it at that. You you do with that information what you want, that I try to be fairly consistent with where the ads play. Again, Bucks Capacitor, thank you for the review. And again, if you have any ideas, shoot them over to us on Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, 
Give us a call and leave us a voicemail like the fine folks did today at 813-444-5841. And, of course, you can leave your own review. And, David, iTunes is no longer a thing, right? Do, do I have to start calling this the uh, podcast review? What What is Apple using now instead of iTunes? Um, I don't know. I use Himalaya, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess Apple it has just says podcast. Yeah, it's, it's, Apple, yeah. Apple's changed their format. iTunes is no longer a thing. They have their own app for podcasts and their own app for music and all that nonsense. But you can leave us a review on their podcast app, preferably five stars. Uh, It does help other Buccaneers fans find us. If you're not an Apple person and you're an Android guy like myself, I do highly recommend the new Himalaya app. It's really great. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks. And at Bucks underscore Nation. And of course, check out everything David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Hope you all have a safe, wonderful, enjoyable day. And thank you so much for joining us right here at Law.